We now come to the reading of God's Word. If you have your Bibles with you, let us open it to Acts chapter 4. Acts 4, 23 to 28. And may I request everyone to please stand. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. May God bless the reading from his holy word. Please take your seats. So good morning once again. Before I start with the message, may I know if we have visitors this morning, if this is your first time to have worship with us, just raise your hand. First time visitors this morning, do we have someone here? All right, none. Now, we continue with our series entitled Acts, The Movement Begins. And we are studying the movement of the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts. The book of Acts is said to be the Acts of the Apostles, but the closer study of the book shows us that this is really the Acts of the Holy Spirit. We say that the Holy Spirit is the primary mover of the church. The church was born in Acts chapter 2 because the Holy Spirit that the Father promised to the disciples was poured out. And that is what we have learned last week. They had the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now today, we continue with a study in part 3, and the title is The Movement Praise. In chapter 1, the movement was cast by our Lord. In chapter 2, the movement begins as the Spirit was poured out. And then, something happened along the way that as we go to chapter 3 and 4, we find here that the movement prays. What were they praying about? What was the occasion? Why did we, they pray that way? And what was the result of their prayer? These are some of the things that we are going to talk about today. Now, let me begin with our vision. Are you familiar with the vision of our church? We put this in our weekly bulletin to remind us all the time that this is where we want. There is, this is what we want to be. This is our direction. Our vision statement says that we are a dynamic, growing church of transformed believers, passionate for God. You know, many years ago, the, the board of trustees of our church had long meetings, overnight meetings, just to come up with this statement, right? After a thorough study of the scripture, what is it that we want to be as a church? No? We want to be a dynamic, growing church. We want to be people who have been transformed by the Spirit. We want to be known as people who are really passionate. No? 
people who are what's the other word for passionate people who are who are inspired people who are what else on fire for god see that our fire for god is visible wherever we are and people will will notice that there's something different about this man or this woman now is there such a church you know a dynamic growing church of transformed believers passionate for god does this church exist yes this is a vision but have we arrived are we dynamic are we growing are we transformed are we passionate for god Yes, we are. We haven't arrived yet, but definitely we have left. We are moving towards it. But then, the first church in Jerusalem, the church that was birthed by the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2, this is our model church. They were truly dynamically growing. They were transformed and they were passionate for God. Can you imagine on their first service, <laughs> on their inaugural service, 3,000 were already added to their number daily. And just how dynamic they were. Look at this. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of the bread, and to prayer. These are the things that they were you know, passionate to do every day. And notice in verse 44, all the believers were together and had everything in common. Right? Surely there were rich people in Jerusalem and there were poor people. But now that they're in Christ, you know, their financial status didn't matter. The Bible says they were all together. They don't mind. There were no worship services for the upper class, and then another worship service for the lower class. Those things don't exist. You know? Poor people, the slave and masters can sit together in worship. That's what's happening, you know, in this church. And in verse 46, we find this. Every day they continued to meet together in temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Remember, the church that we're describing here, they had no structure. They had no board of trustees. <laughs> they had no bylaws and constitution. <laughs> they had no deacons yet at this time. All right? But they are growing. They're dynamic. They're passionate. See? Where did they meet? They meet in temple courts. Remember, they, were, they're, they're, they don't have church buildings at that time. There was only the temple courts, the huge court outside the temple. And they also meet in their homes. So they have big groups. <laughs> and take note, this is not online fellowship. This is what? Face-to-face. -face. Why? Because they ate together. And that's the thing we miss with the face-to-face Bible study, the eating together. You see? In the Bible, there's always eating Bible study and eating, they always go together. Remember Jesus? When He teaches, He feeds them. And I hope that in the coming days, our Bible studies will, will be what? Face-to-face. -face. This week, I already started meeting my big group face-to-face. -face. No? So we had our Bible study last, yesterday here in, in the classrooms. Last Thursday, we had our Bible study in Starbucks. And hopefully... Next week, we will also meet with other B groups, okay? It's, it's good to be back, amen? You know, nothing can substitute real physical gathering of, of the church because that's what's happening in the early church. And notice this, praising God, enjoying the favor of all the people, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So they were really a dynamic growing church. They were always praising God. That's how chapter 2 ends. It begins with the coming of the Spirit, and chapter 2 ends with what? The Lord adding to their numbers daily. 
Now, as we reach chapter 3, because this is a study of Acts, in Acts chapter 3, we find that one day, Peter and John went to the temple courts and, you know, it, it was a time for prayer according to Acts chapter 3. It was 3 p.m. and they were going there. Remember, they were Jews. Yes, they are now part of the church. But listen, they were still part of the Jews and so they have to go through their Jewish customs. It was a time of prayer in the temple. So they went there and they were met with this layman begging. And so as they approached the layman, look at them, and they were also looking at the man. And the man was asking, of course, money. And this is where the classic song, you know, the, our Sunday school song, what did Peter and John say? Silver and gold I have none, but what I have, I'm willing to give to you in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. And you know what happened to this man? The man was jumping, you know, and walking and praising God. And the man was doing that and it attracted people, all right? So people were wondering, oh, this is the man, you know. He's, he's always been there begging and now he's jumping, he's walking, he's praising God, he's happy. And this attracted more people and so people started to Again, crowd over this man. And as usual, you know, Peter and John, filled with the Holy Spirit, he had that opportunity. Wow, this is an opportunity. See? God healed this man, and that was a, an opportunity to Peter to once again testify for Jesus Christ. And so again, Peter started proclaiming that this man is walking today not because of us. We are just like you. This man is walking because of the name of Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified, who was buried, and now he's alive. And then Peter says, Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. The times of refreshing may come from the Lord. And you know what happened? What, you know what happened? Look at as we reach chapter 4. So we're done with chapter 3. See? Very easy. It took us two minutes to study chapter 3. Now we're in chapter 4. Many who heard the message believed so that the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. In chapter 2, how many members were there? 3,000. Now in chapter 4, they are now 5,000. Take note, only men, not counting women and children. So there could have been more, you see? They're really dynamically growing. And they're so passionate for Jesus that whenever there is an opportunity, they would always share Jesus Christ. One thing we find here, they were bold and they were always ready to tell people about Jesus Christ. And the result, people's lives were changed. But you know what happened? <laughs> While it attracted people and more people come to Christ, it also attracted the attention of what? <laughs> the religious leaders. See? So the religious leaders are now, again, once again, they're threatened because they thought that they've eliminated, eliminated Jesus Christ. Jesus is dead. But now these disciples are, are spreading out this news that He's alive. And you know what? He's alive, and now this Jesus Christ is being what? Is being spread by these people who were changed. And so more and more are becoming what? Christians by the day. Can you imagine? They were just 120 after the ascension of Christ, and then suddenly on that same day, they were 3,000, and now 5,000 men. That threatened the religious leaders. That threatened their system. And so they had Peter and John arrested, you know, in the council, you know, and what is the Jewish council at the time? They call it the Sanhedrin. And there they make threats. You stop doing this, you know, otherwise we will put you to jail. 
So in verse 21, after further threats, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them. Notice this, because all the people were praising God for what had happened. Okay, same thing as what happened to Jesus. They could not eliminate them. So they threatened them. You stop doing this, all right? You are being sanctioned. This will be your last time to preach about Jesus Christ, right? So that was the situation in chapter 4. And that's where, that's where we find the prayer made by the church. That's our focus in chapter 4. After they let them go, Peter and John went back to the crowd, to the, to the church, and that's where the church prayed, the movement prays. So that is where I want us to learn five reasons that this prayer that the church made is relevant to us today. This is not just a prayer that they made. This prayer is so relevant for us today for five reasons. I want us to scrutinize this prayer. What's in this prayer? Why is this relevant to us today? All right? Are you ready? Okay, let's begin. First thing that we want to understand this prayer is that the requester, who made the request, who made the prayer? I was looking for a word. What do you call a person who is praying? Prayer. <laughs> it's the same. Pray. There's no word prayer, no? Diba? What do you call a person who prays? <laughs> so I just came up with a word, the requester, the one who made the request. <laughs> All right? So who made this prayer? All right, notice verse 23. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. I want you to focus this, to their own people. There's nothing there. There's nothing special there. It simply, the word there simply means your own family, your own peers, your own friends. But here's the point I want you to understand. The prayer here was not made by the apostles, by the super, you know, super Christians. They were prayers of the own people. In other words, they were ordinary people. All right? Because sometimes we have this, we have this mindset that, you know, when, when the apostles pray, you know, it's powerful. They're the apostles. But here it says, when they went back to their own people, this is the people that prayed. It's not just the 12, but the whole church prayed. And here's what's so relevant. It doesn't need, you know, some mighty apostles to, to open the doors of heaven for God to work. It's just what? The own people, us, right? You and me. Okay? These were ordinary people, not super Christians. <laughs> we can pray. That's the point, friends. That's the most important thing. You don't have to be a super Christian <laughs> to bring in the influence of the Holy Spirit. It says there, he sim they simply went to their own people and the these people prayed together, friends, we are these people. You and I, we have the capacity to ask for the Spirit. Again, the point here is that it's not just the 12 that prays, it's the whole church. And I am encouraging us, we need to pray as a church. Not just during our community prayer time. You know? Our community prayer time is so significant part of our worship because that's where we pray together, right? I am just here as the leader. But community prayer time, you're supposed to be with me in praying. Amen? And that's why I need assistance in this prayer. I need prayer warriors, right? We are all prayer wrestlers here. But just like any warriors, there are certain what? Positions, okay? 
Kinsa man dire ang in-charge aning a prayer. Kinsa man. So, we all have a part in prayer. Not all of us have the abilities to sing. Not all of us have, you know, has the ability to preach here. But I believe we all have the ability to pray. That's what the church needs today. That's why this prayer is so significant because of the requester. Everyone was praying. Old people. All right, the reason... The reason of this prayer. What was the reason? Again, look at verse 23. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. Now, what was the reason for this prayer? There were some threats. They were threatening the church. See? There were obstacles. These were extraordinary obstacles. You know why extraordinary obstacles? You're talking here of the high priest, the Sanhedrin, and they're backed up by what? By their local government. <laughs> they could sanction this, you know, these Christians. But you know what? Did this stop the Christians from? No. They were being threatened. Notice verse 24. When they heard this, what's the this there? When they heard the report that the Sanhedrin, the chief priests, and the religious system of Jerusalem were against them, you know what they did? They raised their voices together in prayer to God. See? When threats come to the church, when obstacles come to the church, what should we do? We come together in prayer. Isn't that what we've been doing? Remember? Many times we had threats. Who were there? Who were here when, when we were asked by CAP Auditorium to, you know, you only have up to this week, you have to move out because the place is going to be renovated. You know what we did as a church? We prayed and fasted. And then God led us here. And you know what happened next? After staying here for several weeks, again, we receive a notice. You have to pay this land or otherwise you have to move out. 12 million. That was what? 1996. 1996, 12 million in 1996 is so big. Where do we get 12 million? Again, we knelt down, we prayed and fasted as a church. We were able to pay. See? That has, been, that has been the secret of the church for many years. We don't, have, we don't have money, we don't have resources, but we have the source of all resources. God. And that's the reason. The reason why they prayed together because there were threats Brethren, this prayer is relevant for us today. You know why? Because there are tremendous obstacles and threats to the church today. In fact, the election tomorrow is part of these obstacles. Can you imagine if the men and women who, who, who we will be voting tomorrow will be making laws, legislative you know, bills that are contrary to our faith. Laws that would legalize abortion. Laws that would legalize same-sex marriage. Laws that would legalize all sorts of illegal and then make them legal. Will it not affect the movement of the church? You see? That's how significant this prayer is. Because they prayed because there were obstacles. The same thing today, brethren. We have these threats. Because we are living in a generation that doesn't like the teachings in the Bible. We are living in a generation, we are living in a culture that doesn't like God to be dictating our lifestyle. We don't want the Bible to dictate my love life, my marriage life. That's the environment we are living. And that's why this prayer of the early church is still relevant for us today. For the same reason, the church of our Lord Jesus Christ has some threats 
we have the government. Can you imagine in the States, remember, there, was, there, there were these issues that if you're a pastor or a priest and if you deny to solemnize this couple, same-sex couple, remember, there are states that would even what? Penalize you. That is the situation. See? When all this, this, this unbiblical practices become what? Legalized. It becomes part of our society and it will come to a point that even preaching the gospel in public places will mean that you should stop. See? We are having these obstacles today. So friends, persecution, we may not have the same persecution as happening in Africa right now, the persecution in, in the Middle East, but we are being persecuted in our society through social media. We are being persecuted through the laws that lawmakers are making. And so your vote tomorrow really makes an impact. Choose leaders who are still for God. They don't have to be Christians like us. They may be in a different denomination, but what is important is that we need men and women who are for God, not just for the majority. See? It's so easy for politicians to just go for the majority because this is how they will be voted. We want Christians who will stand up for what's right. And that's where the church comes in. We don't, we don't try to, you know, promote politicians. That's not our work. Our work is to pray. That's who we are. We backed up our nation by our prayers. Look at this in 4.18. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. That's, that's the threat of, of the Sanhedrin, of the, of the high priest. Okay? Not to teach. Not to preach Jesus Christ. You see? That's my greatest fear that that time will come in the Philippines. And we know it's written in the book of Revelation. Time will come when there is a law forbidding us to speak about Jesus Christ. And that's why, church, we should be on our knees praying. Third, the recipient. The recipient of the prayer is very relevant. Notice how they prayed and addressed God. Sovereign Lord, they said, You made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in the city to conspire against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power will and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, friends, it's remarkable that these Christians, listen, if you study the prayer it took them five verses to tell about God and only two verses about the real prayer. <laughs> Notice their prayer. They have a very long introduction about the God that they're addressing to and the actual prayer is just in two verses. In fact, if you study the prayer, they identify God in two ways. Okay, One, that God is creator of all. Okay? What's so significant about that? That God is creator of all. They say, Sovereign Lord, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in it. So they're appealing to Him as creator that, Lord, you are creator and so everything in the world belongs to you. Even these men who are treating, treating us or threatening us, they belong to you. It's important. See, when we pray, it's important that we know the person we are praying to. I want you to study their prayer. They were not just praying to an unknown God. 
They were appealing, Lord, you're, you're sovereign. And so they're saying, what this high priest, this council is saying, Lord, we know they're threatening, they're in the position, but Lord, you are the creator. That's what they are appealing to. And second, they're appealing to God being in control over all. And then they quoted in their prayer, they're using scripture to pray. And by the way, this is, this is a very good way to pray. See? And, and, and we are doing this in our community prayer. We're using scriptures as our guide to pray. They're quoting Psalm chapter 2. They're saying that, that what these men are doing, this is a fulfillment of prophecy. Time will come when nations and kings would plot against the Lord. And they were quoting that verse. And you know what, why they are appealing to God? They're saying, Lord, you are in control. And because you are in control, even the decisions of evil men are not independent from your control. So they're, praying, they're appealing to God being the creator, and they're appealing to God being sovereign, in control over all these things. Now, here's the point, my, my brethren. What's the point? What's the point of that prayer? What is that to you and to me today? Here's the point. The importance of right doctrines and theology in our prayers. That's the point. The importance of right doctrines. You see, when we don't have the right doctrines, when we do not know prophecy, when we do not know the scripture, then guess what? We do not know how to pray. This is a good example of a biblical prayer. A prayer that is based on theology. A, a prayer that is based on the right God. Who is God? So when they approach God, they approach God in a right framework that Lord this is threatening. This is an obstacle to the ministry, to the movement. But you are creator. You are in control over everything. And even your, your scripture tells us, see? They were not ignorant of the scripture. Friends, it's so nice that when you pray, you use the Bible. You use scripture as a guide. You know why? Because when you use the scripture as a guide, we will never be lost in our prayers. A lot of people pray, but a lot of us are praying unbiblical prayers. A lot of us are attributing to God something that is not in consonant to the will of God. Remember what Jesus said? If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever. See? It's always in consonance with the word. That's why it's important that we know right doctrines and theology in our prayer. Number four, the requests. Now we come to the requests. So we know the requester, the whole church. You know, We know the person to whom they were addressing, God. And now the request of the prayer. Okay, notice the request. This is now the main request. Remember, they talk so much, five verses about who God is, but then two verses only for the actual request. Now, Lord, consider their threats. So after, after, after saying who God is, they declare, you're, you're sovereign, you made all things. After saying that, they're saying, now, Lord, consider their threats. See the connection there? Lord, you are high and mighty, you are mighty. Look at their threats. Who are these men compared to you, Lord? That's what they're saying. See? That increases our faith. Are you getting the point? When we pray, we have to magnify God because when God is magnified, the problem becomes minimized. See? In comparison. So, so they're saying, Lord, you are creator, you own all things. And now, Lord, consider the threats. Who are these people compared to you? See? So their prayer, they are now in the right direction towards God. See? They're saying, Lord, take note. What is at stake here? 
Take note of their threats, Lord. Lord, you want us to preach the gospel. You want us, everyone, to tell about Jesus. But they're stopping. Lord, they're on the way. They are the obstacle. Lord, consider these threats. All right? And now here's the first request. So what's the first request? Enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. See? They were not saying, Lord, they want us to stop talking. So Lord, can you give us another alternative? <laughs> no, they were not looking for not they were not looking for another alternative. They want us to stop speaking. So Lord, can we do this in writing na lang? No. Look at the request. They want us to stop speaking. What do we need? Give us more boldness to speak. <laughs> See? You know what? what? What's the point here? Friends, listen. There is no substitute. Listen. There is no substitute to a verbal proclamation of the gospel. I, I always hear some people saying, well, I don't preach the gospel, Pastor. I just do good works. <laughs> Have you heard people say that? I don't tell them about I don't tell them about Jesus. I just show them about my kindness. Well, those things are good. But that's your theology, not Christ. <laughs> because the theology of Jesus, the theology of the Holy Spirit is boldness in speaking. That never changed. That has always been the way. It's always speaking, proclaiming Jesus. So that's why that's what they're asking for. See? Lord, enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. That's the first request. Then what's the next request? Stretch out your hand to heal. See? They know people, the healing here is not just physical healing, no? It's one way to heal. Like they just healed one man. But they're saying, Lord, that's not the sickness where, you know, we're up to. There's this spiritual sickness going on in people. Stretch out your hands. So again, their prayer is for them to become bold and for God to what? To show His power. Lord, show us your power that lives will be changed not because of us, but because of you. Let them see that when we preach, there's always what? A validation of your power. That when we, when we pray for them, their lives will change. That's what they're asking. Lord, demonstrate. We don't want them to see we are good. We want them to see that you are powerful. That's the prayer. And that should be our prayer. See, our prayer is this. When, when some non-Christian friends ask our help, our prayer is that, Lord, when I pray, show them that my God is powerful. That's the prayer. Stretch out your hands to heal. And then there's the third. Perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Perform signs and wonders. And friends, some theologians, you know, theologians are divided as to the manifestation of the Spirit. There's the cessationist and the other one, Continuationist, that's the term. Continue. In other words, the whole point is this. The cessationists, this is what they teach. No more signs and wonders today. No more miracles today. Just preaching. So any miracle today is fake. Well, obviously I'm not, I don't belong to that group. Okay? I'm not also a Pentecostal that everything has to be miracle. No. Continuationist is this. We believe that signs and wonders still continue today as directed by the Spirit. Not by, by some coercion of preachers and churches. No. As directed by the Spirit. That's what I believe. You know why I believe that? Because in some of our churches, it happened. Okay? One particular example. Our outreach in Consolacion. Okay? It's been there for years, but then it's work. But you know, something happened. There was one neighbor na nasudlag bad spirit. And no one can help. Then our pastor there visited and prayed. The demon left. 
that family got saved. They are now active members of the church. And see, it's the sign and what I'm not saying that all those things are necessary, but when God wants to use His power and signs and wonders, it's really for what? For the proclamation of Christ. To bring difference. And see, when Jesus, when we pray to Jesus, there is power. I want us to believe that when you pray and invoke the name of Jesus, it's not just some incantation. No, you have to believe that the name of Jesus is powerful. Demons believe in the name of Jesus. See? That's the prayer. Lord, stretch out your hand and what? Perform signs and wonders. And friends, that has been the case with the church in the book of Acts. So how should how we should seek the power of the Holy Spirit today? How? This is relevant for us today because it shows us how we should be seeking the power of the Holy Spirit. Now look at Luke 11.13. Remember the same writer of Acts and Luke. Luke. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give, notice this, the Holy Spirit to those who asked Him? See? Prayer is the key. How do we, how can we experience, how can we avail of these promises in the Bible? Jesus says, He will give it to those who ask. And the previous verse says, Ask and it will be given. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the doors will be opened. Persistence. That's the key here. Persistence. When we are persistent, we are begging God, Lord, we want your hands to be stretched so that our ministries will be effective. We want, Lord, that our ministry will be accompanied by signs and wonders. I tell you, Jesus will fulfill what he says here when it is for his glory. Amen? Jesus, listen, Jesus will never say no to a prayer that is consistent to the scripture and he knows that the result of the prayer is the growth of his kingdom. He will never say no. Pero kung ato lang ng own agenda, ato lang own, he may not answer. But if it's for, for his kingdom, for his glory, he promised, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Look at Acts 14.3. So Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time there. Notice again, they all go together speaking boldly for the Lord. So they are still filled with the Spirit. Who confirmed the message of His grace by enabling them to what? Perform signs and wonders. See? How do we perform signs and wonders today, friends? Do we have magic, miracle? No. We don't have that. What we have is this, prayers. Signs and wonders today is this, when you pray, God answers. Amen. That's how He confirms our message. God works when we pray. Amen? And now we come to the last part of the prayer, the result of the prayer. What is the result of their prayer? The result of their prayer. Notice verse 31. After they prayed. After they prayed. The result is immediate. The place where they were meeting was shaken. Okay? Now, I don't think the shaking here is something to be repeated and something that we should look forward to because if that thing shaking will happen now, mahadlok takarun. Diba? Inig shake ana unsay atong isulti gani Unsa na yung gitudlo nato kung nay earthquake Oh Cover All right I don't think because in in some other cases okay if you notice in in chapter 2 there was there was no shaking but there was just sound Now no sound but shaking when you look at other places, sometimes nawa nang shaken, nawa nang sound, pero ang nagpabilin unsa? Feeling of the Holy Spirit. And that's the point. We don't always expect sound and shaking, but what we do expect is this. They were filled with the Holy Spirit, and notice, they spoke the word of God boldly. 
See? That was the very request they were asking. Give us boldness, Lord. These people are threatening us. Give us boldness to stand up and to speak up for Jesus. And they were given that boldness. So two results. Boldness in sharing the gospel. They were already bold, but now they were even bolder. See? Notice what happened. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. With great power, the apostles continued, take note, to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. They were just being threatened. They were just being, you know, coerced. If you speak again, you will go to jail. See? But this is where the point, the church does not listen <laughs> to authorities. Remember the principle of Peter? We would rather obey God and not man. See? When, this is, when, when it's about the, the name of Jesus, when the kingdom of Christ and His name is at stake, we would rather obey God and not man. That's the principle of the church. We obey man in all aspects. But when man's laws collides with the teachings of the church, that's where Acts tells us. Look at what they were doing. They were forbidden. But the next day, where do you see Peter and John? They were still there on the same, on the exact place, teaching about Jesus Christ. Why? No cells can stop them from preaching the word. They were so bold. The other one, gladness in sharing their goods. Gladness in sharing their goods. Notice what happened here. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own. But they shared everything they had. See? Koinonia, the sense of koinonia, sharing. Everyone brought food. Okay, this food is for everyone. Diba? Just like atong resurrection ato, diba? Si nanay o si tatay nagdala og bulad. And the bulad was for all. <laughs> That's the sense of the church. See? When the Holy Spirit fills us, how do we know if the church is filled with the Holy Spirit? There is that sense of what? Unity and sharing of things. There is no such thing as mine. It's ours. Amen? They were sharing in everything. And notice, and God's grace was so powerfully at work in, in them all. See? When there is gladness in sharing, you know what happens, brethren? God's grace will even work powerfully in the lives of people. That there were no needy persons among them. Again, I told you, in that more than 5,000 people, surely there were rich people there, but majority, according to his history, majority of the first century believers were poor. But the Bible says, there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales where? To put it in the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. See? Not in some big churches today, especially, I don't know if you're familiar with this. If you go to Africa, you, you find there the richest churches, the richest pastors. You know? Pastors who live in mansions. Notice this. They, they put the money in the apostles' feet, but then it, they did not stop there. <laughs> It was distributed to anyone who had need, no? So, dili to para sa mga taga church. Dili to para sa pastor. See? So, wala to gipalit og, og kuan sa pastor. Og auto, og airplano, helicopter. No. The money was distributed to everyone. That's the sense of a, the New Testament church. That's how we know when the Holy Spirit is filling us. It gives us what? Generosity. Amen? It makes us generous, generous people. And then, chapter 4 ends with this. Because next week, we will be chapter 5. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles was Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold the field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. That's how it ended. 
Luke here starts to mention Barnabas because Barnabas plays a big role in the ministry of the movement of the church. Friends, the result when we pray and ask for the Spirit to fill us, boldness in sharing the gospel, gladness in sharing our goods. I hope that these things will be present in our church. And so in application, what should we do to apply the principle of today's message? Simple. Pray. You pray. But this is an acronym though. Okay, write this down. Nay, nanghipos na ka. Napaiswat, nay. Number one, proclaim Jesus. Proclaim Jesus. That's what they did. That's what Peter and John did. That's why they pray, because they want to proclaim. That's the application God wants us to do this morning. Proclaim Jesus. Next, R. Be relentless. What do you mean by relentless? Be relentless. Be unstoppable. Just like the early disciples at the early church. They were relentless. Sanhedrin could not stop them. The high priest could not stop them. Even Herod could not stop them. Be relentless for Jesus. A. Ask for the feeling of the Holy Spirit. If you find yourself inadequate, Pastor, I'm afraid. What does the Bible say? God will give you the Holy Spirit when you ask. And why? Yield. Yield. That's when the power works. When we yield, when we submit. That's what the church did. They yielded to the prompting of the Spirit. That's what we need when we pray. Proclaim Jesus, be relentless, ask for the filling of the Holy Spirit, and yield to the Holy Spirit, and revival will be inevitable. Amen? Let's pray. Oh, mighty Father, you are glorious. You who created all things, sovereign, mighty, powerful, angels, demons, submit to you. All creation submit to you. Thank you, Father, for sending us your Holy Spirit. Oh, Holy Spirit of God, the Spirit of truth, we need you in our church. We need you in our ministries. We need you in our outreach. We need you in our discipleship. We need you in our lives. Come, fill us, renew us, revive our conviction. Help us to become bold like Peter and John. Help us to be relentless that not even social media could stop us from telling about the excellencies of Jesus Christ. Embolden us, O God. Revive our church and our lives. All for your glory, for your honor, and for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.